getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We are good. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Chad Jensen, with me. Scott Kennedy, the producer extraordinaire, co-host of the Broncos for Breakfast podcast in the mornings here at MHH, filling in once again. This time, though, Zach, under the weather, hit hard, woke up this morning, just leveled by by some kind of a nasty bug. So, Scott, pulling double duty once again. Thank you, bro. How are you? Well, it's always good. I was going to be here anyway, so I just had to shower and shave and uh, be ready to talk some uh, talk, talk some football. Oh, I've been weird, dude. Weird. Hold on. Been, uh, can you hear me? No, this isn't good. All of a sudden, my sound. Just hey, do some pleasantries. I'll be right back. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. I'll be right. Back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, we were late. Uh, we were a couple minutes late. As as many of you know, Chad has moved here recently, including getting a new computer, and somehow everything hasn't quite synced up with his move since he's gotten there. So he's having some hardware and some uh, some problems with the stream. So uh, Chad's under or Chad's. Hardware is under the weather. Zach's just under the weather. So, hey, here I am. And you know who else is here coming in? Jacob Foster coming up with the stars. The silent one coming in with some some stars early. So I'm going to say good evening to some folks. It is going to be Chad, I think, and me tonight, Scott Kennedy. Uh, so I don't plan on going solo tonight. But if we have to, we will because I know you can help get me through it, Broncos country. You have done that very many, many times. So, First in, Diamond Rattler came in as soon as the stream was built saying, boom, let's ride. Dylan here as well. Dale here as well. Uh, I'm going to bounce out so we don't mess up and we'll get everybody switched on the right side real quick. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm telling you, this move that I that I did, um, part of why I was gone those two weeks, it has thrown off my groove in a big, bad way. It's like I've had to re get a new mic, had to get a new stream cam. I've had to get new lights. I painted my freaking wall green. Like I've gone to the nth degree to try and get things humming on all cylinders. So appreciate you guys. But hey, you know what? You're rolling with the punches. If there ever, Scott, is a time to kind of do some dial in and tweaks and try and improve things, it's, it's the dog days of July, baby. It's July. This is when we try and put in the trick plays. And, That's right. Uh, a little razzle dazzle. Uh, you know who comes in and has been coming in razzle dazzle in the month of July with Yo. fireworks? 
is Greg Vendeland. I mean, yeah. Fourth of July is over, and he's still popping off, popping off hot pink, uh, coming in, uh, coming in big again. Um, we've got an update on the the super chat users for yeah, the I've month. Yeah, I've got that. I've got that. And there's going to be some uh, some switching again right now. Um, right now, real quick, uh, Greg had actually moved down after last week because Michaela had come up. We got to scroll up just a little bit. Uh, Ethan, the DW, oh, there DW, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. One, and Michaela. Yep, the Duchess had come in at uh, and moved up to number two with Gregory coming in again. Gregory's newer. I feel like Gregory's a, a newer name and coming in, coming in uh, off the top rope, coming in guns blazing, announcing his presence with authority. Stu McPeak, one of the OGs, the Zeus has come back in a big way. Yep. Sam Bam, I call you Sam Bam. I know it's BBM, but it's it's Sam Bam for me. Tanner Hulse, Nosh, Jason Bolin, Mike Givens, and Noise rounding out the t- Jeff Noise rounding out the top ten. Uh, also coming in, we mentioned uh, the silent one. Jacob Foster came in, and Phil has also come in with some stars. Very gracious of you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Good evening, Chad and Scott. Let's ride. But if if you hear uh, everybody okay now, and if you can at least hear me, Chad. Yep, I got you. I think you wanted to get into our topic of the day, which yep, is yep. kind of around ownership and who might be involved. That's right, baby. So we heard rumors and reports right after the Walton Penner group took over uh, early June that they had approached Peyton Manning about possibly being involved over the weekend, legendary in the market, Woody Page, who now, of course, his home is with the Colorado Springs Gazette. He provided some additional context as well as a more clear kind of solid update on exactly what John Elway's role is with the, with the organization. But first and foremost, we learned that John Elway, Scott, when the, whoever, you know, he didn't have the scratch on his own, of course, to even make a bid, uh, but he hoped that whoever won the bid on the new ownership, that they would be open to kind of parceling him out a minority stake, you know, letting him buy into the team. According to Woody Page quote, Elway sought to become a 1% minority shareholder with the winning partnership, but that role appears highly improbable. So Elway now, Scott, he's on a he's on a one-year deal as a consultant, still has an office in Denver, but or at the at the facility, but one-year deal. Now, what about Peyton Manning? All right, so Peyton Manning, I'm gonna read this this uh, little snippet here. The Walton Penner group includes business mogul Melody Hobson. Former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, who joined last week, and then Peyton Manning, we learned from uh, Woody Page, a little bit more rock solid, hopefully taking on some sort of a role with the team. Page said, quote, Peyton Manning is expected to join the alliance and one of the partners among the losers of the auction bidding could be invited to be a partner. One source says Michael S. Dell, creator of the Dell Computer Company and a co-partner with Rob Walton in a Hawaii resort development may participate with the Broncos, close quote. So Peyton Manning, in one form or another, Scott, expected to join the alliance. And I can't help but think, and I want to get your take on this, if you talk Peyton Manning into jumping in with both feet, you probably managed to do that by dangling, as John Elway hoped to garner himself, a little bit of a shareholder stake. There's, there's numbers and math here that just don't compute to our tiny brains. Um, Gary Lee's Palmer coming in with some stars, some big stars and, uh, says, Hey, Chad and Scott, can't wait to hear the latest and Michaela coming in. And she mentions uh, as on topic coming in red, the lady in red, the Duchess says, honestly, I don't know how Elway and Manning would fit in the ownership 
too many fish. Let's ride. Well, Michaela, thank, thank you, you so Michaela. much. Let me see if I can if I can add maybe a little clarity on this, uh, at least how it makes sense to me, because the numbers involved here when you're talking about a sports franchise in the NFL are mind boggling. You're like, oh, John Elway is just trying to get a one percent share. Okay, that's that's not anything, right? I mean, that's that's not really you know you don't have a say at the table. You don't have any kind of weight within the organization. One percent is forty million dollars. Forty million dollars to be a one percenter, to be a and not the good one percent. I mean, the bottom one percent to have a one percent say, which is no say at all. So I think, Michaela, now, hey, we can give you a half percent ownership, which is $20 million in equity as your compensation. We, I want you part as part of my team. And honestly, that may be how Condoleezza Rice is coming. Do you think Condoleezza Rice bought a 10% stake in ownership and, and came up with $400 million? No. Is she part of the team that the Walton is putting together, the Walton Penner Group is putting together as an advisory group, as a board of directors, so to speak? Or maybe they get a slice, a teeny tiny. I mean, when you're dealing with nine freaking zeros, <laughs> you lop off three of those zeros and get a one thousandth of ten percent, and you're in the you're a millionaire. You get a couple million dollars. Mm-hmm. So I, I almost look at it like that, Michaela, in, in Broncos country. We we say you know part of the ownership group. Well, Chad, I'm buying a new house. You know, I, I need some, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be dealing with some people or I'm starting a business. I want you part of it. It doesn't mean I'm giving you ownership, but I want you yeah. to come help me run it. You know, you're part of my group. You're my guy. You, you are my guy. I, I, I need you here. Part of the compensation could be a tiny, minute, fractional worth several million dollars of equity ownership that you, I would then have the option to buy back as cash options, whatever. But you're not just handing somebody, even a legend like John Elway, a 1% stake in the ownership. Say, hey, come be part of this. I can get him for a hell of a lot less than $40 million Mm -hmm. of 1%. So I almost look at it like a board of directors type of thing, Chad, Mm -hmm. where I want you to come in here and I want you on my team. I want you as part of my group. I am the owner. That all of a sudden gets lumped into ownership group. That doesn't mean they're owners. This is way for multi multi millionaires. It's a different level. It's a, it's just a different level of wealth for what it's worth. John Elway's net worth is estimated to be somewhere between 150 to $200 million. So even peeling off, you know, 40 million bucks, that would, that'd take a big chunk out of his, uh, out of his reserves, but he would do it. He would do it in a heartbeat if he could. Michaela's point, and by the way, thank you, Michaela. Love you, appreciate you, seriously. And also a, a thank you to Gregory and uh, Jacob and Gary and all of you. Appreciate you, love you, you know it. Uh, how could Elway Manning coexist? You, you heard the phrase, too many cooks ruin mm-hmm. the broth. Well, it just so happens that you have a guy who's kind of just rocking and rolling, romping through the NFL as your general manager in George Payton, if the Broncos do what everyone is expecting them to do this year, and that is win some ball games and be a factor in the playoffs, this dude, I mean, just short of being short of winning the Super Bowl, this dude is like going to be about as crowned as you can possibly be, mainly because, of course, he orchestrated the deal that landed Russell Wilson. All right, now you inject. We already know Elway's kind of backed off as a consultant. He's just there to be a sounding board a little bit and kind of smooth the transition for George Payton, although I view him more, Scott, as a guy that's 
kind of just uh, for optics purposes, we're keeping you on as a consultant so that <laughs> fans think that there's someone here with some experience that knows what's going on. Meanwhile, George Payton is just like crushing every, almost every single move he's made. There's only a couple you can really pick nits in. Where would Peyton Manning fit in this? And that's a that's a real question. I mean, he's so busy with his media company, Omaha Productions. He's got so much going on. I don't envision Peyton Manning, even as an executive, if he were to come in as, say, president of football operations or whatever, how do you budget the time? You still need to be able to come into the facility, contribute to what's going on. you got to fulfill your duty and obligation as a football executive. I see him coming in with some kind of a minority ownership stake, being some kind of an ambassador for the team, some kind of a face, some kind of a – but in terms of the nitty-gritty day-to-day grind – I think it would be great for him to be involved at that high of a level. I just don't know that that's really something he's trying to do. Like he's living his post NFL playing career life. He's digging all the time. He's getting with his kids. He's having fun making media. Just got into the hall of fame. Do I want to suddenly go work 40 plus hours a week? I mean, yeah, be in the pursuit of greatness and you're competing. You're back in the competition thing at a different level. I'm not sure how that would work, but either way, if Peyton Manning did return, I don't think it would be Elway and Manning within the organization. Elway would be signing off. And for the most part, Chad, you're describing six-figure jobs. Yeah. You know, the type of stuff. You're you're getting the Peyton Manning brand. And, okay, well, you know what I want Peyton Manning to do? I want to help with corporate sponsorships. Well, you know, I, I can. he can help me. He could definitely help do that. He can. But you know what? You're the NFL. When you when the NFL calls and says, "Hey, hey, uh, Chevrolet, you know, we want your name on as the presenting sponsor of our pregame show," Chevrolet is going to answer. You're the Denver Broncos. It's the NFL. You don't need Peyton Manning for something like that. Right. Um, so again, when you're talking about what are they going to do, you know, yes, I would love to have a sounding board, that type of stuff. But again, the day to day, or you know, president of football operations, like you said, those are six figure jobs. Maybe at best, you know, you, you might be a millionaire you might make oh the general manager is making one or two million a year that's the general manager uh anybody else would be reporting to the general manager and that's not what they do so again a board of directors type makes sense to me hey we meet once a month and we have our meeting just to make sure everything's going okay um but then how do you were compensated in that and just to say hey i'm on the board i'm part of the ownership group that's kind of a cool thing to be able to say but again you're not just slicing off one percent and and would they want to buy in hey i'm gonna give up half of my wealth to be a one percent owner of the denver broncos yeah you know i don't yeah i don't know now if, if you want me to say okay i'm gonna i want you I, you want me to have some skin in the game so i'm gonna put 40 million dollars of my own money in this thing well then i want to run the damn thing mm-hmm. i'm in charge now i'm your football guy i'm running things day to day who do you think has a higher net worth, John Elway or Peyton Manning? I'm going to Google it. I, I think it would be pretty close. I mean, Elway's had more time, more time to do it. But, um, you know, Elway came about when – or uh, Manning came about when the the salaries and stuff were just – had escalated exponentially. And media commercials and your your ability to cash in on a commercial standard uh, have accelerated. So – if, if Elway is ahead, the line is catching up from Manning. So the answer is, according to these sites, and you don't know where they get this information, but it's believed that Peyton Manning's net worth approaches $250 million. John Elway's somewhere between $150 and 200 So 
250, 300 probably for Peyton Manning. I mean, he played out how many hundred million dollar contracts in Indy? They he can, almost they played can out band together and buy 10% of the team. Like I said, it's it, still it's wealth that we that we almost it's almost like trying to think how big and how far away the next star is. Well, if I was going the speed of light, I'd get there in a thousand years. That's insane. Our brains can't comprehend that type of distance. Four billion dollars with nine zeros. Yeah, let me let me see here if I can look look behind the couch and scrape together some some <laughs> some loose change. You know, let me see if I can scrape together five hundred million dollars for a ten percent stake. That's insane. Yeah, it's insanity. It is, especially when you consider how much Pat or uh, Pat Bowen paid to purchase the Denver Broncos back in 1984. Michael Ronquillo, what is good? Our friend down in Tucson throwing down one of our great Mount Rushmore contributors, Super Chat superstars, Facebook supporter. He says Peyton Manning will be a great addition to the Walton Penner ownership group. He loves the Broncos and Broncos country. Let's ride and go Broncos. Yeah, there's something to that. Like he, as we know, he keeps a home in Denver or he's kept his home in Denver since retiring. And although when the Colts come calling and they want him to do something, it's a ring of fame day or whatever, he comes and he shows up and he does his thing. But you don't feel that same kind of I'm in it still with you personal connection that Peyton Manning seems to still maintain, cultivate with the Broncos. The brainstorm. What's going on, dude? It's been a minute. It's great to see you, my friend. Appreciate that super chat. He says, I just wanted to, to uh, I just wanted to probably say let's ride. That's that's the catchphrase. That's the Russ catchphrase. Uh, ben, net worth is not cash on hand either, which is very, very true. That is very, very true. So we're not talking about, you know, scraping together, you know, 500 million for a 10% stake. We're talking about liquidating everything yeah. to scrape yeah. together 10 million. And then what would they doing for the Denver Broncos? Everything, because they'd have to live there. Now you've got them all the time. Now they don't have any place to live because they've liquidated all their assets. Now they actually have to live at the stadium uh, because they don't have a home anymore. Uh, like if your kids ever ask, you know, you go buy a, you know, a Lamborghini or something. They're like, Hey, could we get one of those? Like, yeah, we'd have to live in it. You know, we, we'd have to sell the house, but uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the same thing. So Ben's absolutely right. Net worth isn't what you can afford to part with either mm -hmm. um, on, on something like that for sure. Good point, Ben. Chris says Omaha productions being from Omaha. The first time I heard Peyton yell Omaha, I thought I was tripping. Yeah. I bet that was cool for you. And that reminds me, I coached, uh, <clears throat> all my kids in flag football, once they got to tackle, I was like, okay, you know, go, go with the guys who are going to make this their full-time job. But the one year I did it, it was like 2014. So we're talking like three years now into Peyton Manning's Broncos tenure. And we're, I had the plays and the kids, they wanted to call the plays based on what they would hear Peyton Manning say at the line of scrimmage. And one of them was, one of them was hurry, hurry. One of them was Omaha. Oh, I can't remember the other ones, but we had like four that were like Peyton Manning names, including Omaha. So anyway, shout out to Omaha and Chris, who is there in uh, Nebraska. Yep. And Anthony Edwards coming in, says, I love the show, guys. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for all you do, Anthony. So I'm just glad the Walton Penner Group are finding people that actually care about the Broncos future, including them. Not just people that care about the money aspect. Go Broncos. Well, Anthony, those things aren't mutually exclusive. So if I'm in business, I want my business to succeed. I might not give a flying flip about the Las Vegas Raiders, but by God, if I've got a, if I just drop, you know, nine zeros, uh, you know, five of them on the Las Vegas Raiders, I want them to succeed. I want the people around the team to be proud to be here. I want my fans to be happy. I want to put a product on the field 
that is good. So you can be about business and be about product. And it doesn't necessarily have to say about, oh, I'm passionate about the Broncos. Mm -hmm. So those things aren't, aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. You want people that are competitive and want to win. And there's winning on the field and then there's winning as a brand and there's winning as a, as a product. And, and again, I, I need both. I, I want George Payton, the football guy, and I want some people in the front office to understand how to maximize my asset so that I can then invest in the product on the field. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and by the way, Anthony, dude, are we connected on Twitter? I want to say we have been in the past. I, if not, dude, make sure you connect with us because we want to be able to shout you out, include you in our post-show shout out to the people who support the show on Super Chat and the and, and uh, real, Facebook. Real quick, Chad. Real quick, yeah, yep. Chad. I want to hit on Joseph's uh, point right here, just talking about you know the insanity of the money that says I can't imagine being made millions of dollars over seventeen weeks of the season. Sports players make way too much money. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. Because I think there's too much money in sports, but mm -hmm. I want that money going to the players. I do. I mean, we're yeah. talking about four and a half, four point whatever billion dollars for the asset for the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. Again, we just talked about, okay, if, if Russell Wilson's making 40 million a year, that's, that's 1% of the net worth of the, of, of the franchise. You think about you know your the, your net worth, including your house and stuff, and what you make, and all those type of things. It starts making sense how much money they're bringing in. You let me know the next time one of these owners goes broke in any of these sports. When they when you start seeing baseball used to be really good about this, and the the the, the writers would carry water for them. They'd be like, oh yeah, they lost fifty million dollars this year. Their idea of losing money was we made hundred and fifty million dollars profit. We only made a hundred million dollars profit this year, so we lost fifty million dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and meanwhile, the net worth of your your franchise went up from one point one point oh billion to one point six billion. So you just made six hundred million dollars with a hundred million dollars in profit. So there is too much money in sports, and you know who's to blame for that, Chad? We are us as yep. fans, the consumers. We're the ones that watch all the stuff, buy all the merchandise, pay all the tickets, the exorbitant tickets, and do all of these things. So if you ever really want to get upset, if you're ever really too upset about all the money that's in sports, there's only one answer. You got to turn it off. And I don't want to do that. It's, it's it, the, the avenues of watching the games are avail available to me at a price that I'm okay with. Usually that price mm -hmm. is my time to watch commercials. Mm -hmm. But I don't drop $200 to go to a game. Not gonna do it. I'm not gonna drop forty dollars on parking and buy a twenty dollar hot dog. I, I'm not. I'm not doing that. No. Um, but I can watch the game for what's included in my exorbitant cable price. <laughs> well, that's where a lot of the money <laughs> anyway. came from. A lot of the money came from the TV deals mm -hmm. um, proliferating over time. And as we know, Pat Bowen had a big role to play in how that kind of unfolded over over that span. And you know, you take away the the NFL the way it used to be. I mean, yeah, there were some TV deals and whatnot, but most of how an ownership group could afford to pay players whatever salary it might have been at the time came through the 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 door. You know, how many tickets were we selling? How much? How many hot dogs? How many diet cokes in the stadium? Like all that stuff is what drove it. And so you had football players who, if they were playing today, would be making forty million dollars a year. That back then, you know, seventies, eighties are making forty grand a year, and that was a good living for them. I mean, they were getting their 
you know what's uh, kicked, and it was a very hard, difficult job, and it was finite. It wasn't going to last forever. It's not like it's a career for the rest of your life, but 40 grand, and that's where it came from. But as the TV thing started to grow, and what changed there too was the advent of cable, the advent of a satellite, and suddenly, and now you got streaming and everything too. I mean, it's just so easily consumable. These, and we as fans and media, we just love watching this stuff, as, as Scott was saying. That money, that, that spigot, that faucet, that fire hose of, of revenue. I mean, last year, the NFL in 2021 was an $11 billion nut. $11 billion. They have, they they have to put a salary cap on there to constrain. They have to artificially deflate the what they're willing to pay the players. They're willing to pay the players more. They have to put a cap on it. To, because the owners won't be able to control themselves because they've got so much money. They'll they'll go and spend more on it because they have so much. So again, there's too much money in sports. Might as well go to the players. That's who I care about. Agreed. Albert Knoppers, legendary. He says, I read an article today about Russell Wilson having a record year, but the Broncos still finishing third in the division with the Chargers in first, followed by the Chiefs. I agree with Russell record but broncos finishing first you know i don't know scott and thank you for the comment albert i don't know i mean i I, we don't have a crystal ball i can't predict with any kind of accuracy exactly whether or not the broncos are going to win the division as as excited as everyone wants to get remember that it's still patrick mahomes and the chiefs it's still their division until russ and the broncos go out and change that right what is it now i've lost count is it 13 straight wins i mean i I don't it's too many it's, it's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. Can the Broncos finish one? Yes. Are they going to make the playoffs this year? I really think they will. But mm-hmm. I'm I, Scott. This is what's bizarre. I feel more comfortable predicting Broncos are going to make the playoffs than I am saying they're going to win the division. And especially the way you know seven teams making it nowadays, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of hedge that way. But three teams from this division could find themselves in the playoff gauntlet. Well, you can make the playoffs without winning the division. You can't win the division without making the playoffs. So to say you're feeling more comfortable saying one, that that's just logical. Logical. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I think even to say, I, I would say I feel more comfortable saying the Broncos will make the playoffs than I do saying the Broncos will beat the Chiefs. Because mm. you can go 0-2 and still make the playoffs. I feel like there's a there's if I if you had to say pick one, I'll say I'll take playoffs. Now, I mean, you've again, it's 13 in a row and the Chiefs are still really good. Yeah. You know, so I would say I would say you got to pick one of these, which one's it going to be? And it could be both. You could do both. But if you were to tell me that only one of these is going to happen, which is it going to be? The playoffs. The, the yeah. Broncos are going to win 11 games and make the playoffs, but they can do that by going 0 and 2 against the Chiefs. Now you go 2 and 0 against the Chiefs and you're talking 13 and 4. 14 and three. I mean, then you're talking a special season. I'm trying to remember when the Seahawks won that Super Bowl against the Broncos, Super Bowl 48. Were they a wild card team? Let me see. No, they were a division round team. Okay, they so were, they won their division. I was a, I was an anti-playoff guy for so long just because. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. 
get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You know, playoffs are for teams that can't get it done in the regular season. They're second chances. I'm like, well, you're punishing the teams that excel. You know, so the Chiefs were one of those teams or the, the Seahawks were one of those teams that made the playoffs with like a seven to nine record. That's mm-hmm. absurd. You, all you're doing is telling me I don't need to watch other other teams until uh, until the playoffs. Now, fantasy football has fixed that. You know, you don't care if a team's – I don't care if the team's 2-14 and 14 if I've got the starting quarterback or the running back on that team or, or one of those players. Now yeah. I'm still watching. I'm still engaged. And, and frankly, Chad, that's another reason why the NFL has boomed like it has is because the interest is now league-wide because of fantasy football. Everybody's a fantasy player. Yep. You know who's not a fantasy player but is living the dream is Lawrence Rivera coming in with some stars saying, hello, guys, I'm out fishing. I'll listen later. Hello, Lawrence. I hope they're <laughs> biting for you. Throw them back. Yeah, I hope. That's like my dad says when it comes to fishing. He says, uh, uh, you know, fishing, it's okay. I, I prefer catching, which <laughs> I agree 100%. Like, once that thing's on the hook, hey, I'm all for it. But sitting there, man, I, I have such a short attention span that that's very hard for me. Andrew Baker, what's good, bro? He says, the sooner the better for a rust deal, but what should it be and should they wait? That's a good that's a good topic. We'll segue because I want to get what Bob wrote projecting mm-hmm. Bradley Chubb's next deal. Let's talk about Russ first. What should he get? And should they should the Broncos wait? Because I'm of the opinion that they don't need to act right now, but the sooner they act, the more they could potentially save a few shekels here and there. So um I think there's there's gonna be plenty of money. Okay. Again, the, the salary cap's gonna go up. There's ways to work around. There's plenty. I could find $30 million of cap room pretty quickly with restructures, waves, all that kind of stuff. Cut players pretty quickly. Money's not going to be a problem. I, I think it's beneficial for both sides, honestly. Let's, you know, we're in a honeymoon phase right now. This is date. This isn't even the honeymoon. We haven't even dated yet. This is, oh, I'm excited about, you know, a, a new, you know, a, a new date. I'm really excited about that. That's a great feeling. Let's go through a year together before I'm going to drop a quarter of a billion dollars on you and you're going to tie the rest of your career to me. Let's, let's, let's feel it out just a little bit more and make sure this is the right fit. You have two years left in your deal and you're still making a ton of money. You're okay. You're okay with what you're getting paid. I'm okay paying it to you. You got two years left in your deal. There's no, there's no rush. There really isn't. You might save. And again, it's baffling money. I might save $10 million here or there on a, quarter of a billion dollar contract it's better to get it right so it could happen tomorrow but i don't think there's really any rush to get anything done this year to be honest with you i think there's good faith on both sides but let's just be let's let's be sure about it before we get married for the rest of your career and i drop a quarter of a billion dollars a big part of that too is russell wilson you know is he asking for it like is his agent pressing the issue are you at risk of not making this? You Because, you know, you want him to feel that warm and fuzzy. That's a good way to put it. You're in the honeymoon phase. Anyone that's been in that situation, if you've been in a relationship or married, like, you know, it's like you're walking on cloud nine. Everything's good. You got the warm and fuzzies. You feel you feel good. You feel wanted. You feel needed. Whatever, right? It's, put yourself in that position as a player. You want to feel that commitment. You want to feel that we're in this together. We're behind you. I don't know that Russell Wilson's really doubting that right now. Mm-hmm. which is probably why it's not, you know, NFL teams rarely with very, very few exceptions 
act unless they're a up against some sort of a deadline or B the player or the person on the other side of the negotiating table is asserting and forcing the issue. Scott, uh, what kind sorry. of money is he going to get though? What kind of money is Russell Wilson in line for? That's because for the most part, they have all the power. It's a, I, I've got a series of, if I've got a five-year contract for me, it's, it's basically a one year with four one-year options in my favor as the, as ownership, the, the, NF, the contracts are completely weighted towards, towards, uh, towards ownership here, not towards the player. Now, can also tag you twice. You're 33 years old. You got two years left on your deal. I can make you go till you're 37 before you can even go for another contract. And your option is quit. It's not to like, you know, go play somewhere else. You don't have any other options. You can't go to another country and play and get paid similarly because this is a monopoly. So there is no reason for the, uh, the ownership to go out and, and enforce the issue on this one. Albert says, I believe in the law of attraction. If we believe we can win the division, we might just be a step closer. Oh, I think there's belief. Dude, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to tell an anecdote here. So right. when I when I first got out of college, Albert, you probably know this. I'm a big, the secret believer. I'm big on the law of attraction as well. Let me tell you how I became clued into the law of attraction. When I first got, in fact, I might have still been in college, but I was working at a place. It was a phone job, all right? And this dude I worked with, shout out, Brent. We would have these three-hour lunches, all right? And so we'd you go work for three hours in the morning, leave for three hours, come back, work five hours, because that's when people are home if you're doing, like, telemarketing, right? So we leave, and this place had hundreds of employees, big campus. So anytime you pulled up to the building, man, good luck finding a parking spot anywhere close to the building. So we come walking out for lunch one day, and Brent's parked, like, right next to the front door. And I literally had not seen an available parking spot in that since I'd been there. And I'm like, yo, dude, I didn't even really say anything, but we're backing out. And he kind of pauses as he's driving as his work. He's backing out of this coveted spot. I can see him kind of like pause and he's like looking straight at it. And then we go, he proceeds. And I'm like, dude, what was that about? And he's like the secret, dude, the secret. I said, huh? He goes, dude, I'm, I'm sending out vibes into the universe right now, Scott, that, this spot is going to be back when we return in an hour. I'm like, no way in Sam Hill is that going to be there. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm telling the universe, this is what I'm asking for. And it's going to deliver it. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So we go, I forget all about it, right? We have our lunch. We drive back. Sure as you know what, there it's, there it is wide open. He pulls right in and I'm like, okay, tell me about the secret. And, you know, he gave me the book and I read the book and it's very, very, it's all real, dude. It's all true stuff. If you've ever played role-playing games, there's, you know, uh, characters have, you know, their attributes. I always felt pretty good about mine. You know, decent height, size, speed, strength, intelligence, all that kind of stuff, charisma. But the luck score for me was a friggin' zero. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, my luck was a zero. If we're, if we're flipping coins and you guess heads or tails, it's not 50-50. If I do 100, I'm missing it 75 times, maybe 80. It's unbelievable. So... That works the opposite mm -hmm. for me. I'm like, just it's it's gone. It's you know, I'll be lucky not to back into somebody when I'm backing out of that nice spot. But the doctrine, the doctrine of the secret is that that's so why your luck continues. Exactly, you're you, that's what you're putting into the universe. So that's what the universe is delivering back. But we we don't want to we don't want to digress too much on this <laughs> philosophy. Just go read the book, you guys. The secret. It's a it's a quick read. It's easy. I think they made a movie about it. I never saw the movie, but the book's very nice. Anthony again. Big baller throwing down super brace. chat number two. They're coming in twice with the brace. Am I the only one thinking, says Anthony, that uh, bringing Melvin Gordon in to keep some miles off of Javante Williams was a good idea? 
I love a 60-40 split with a small fall-off on Gordon's carries. Thanks for your perspectives. Guys, I've never been against it. Um, my my partner in crime, Zach Kelberman, not a huge Melvin Gordon fan, but he's never been against bringing him back. For me, it was always about, you want to bring Melvin back? Cool. Just do it at the right price because I think John Elway threw a little too many, a few too many dollars at Melvin. I'm happy with what they got him back for this time. Uh, and I'm because of that, like I'm excited to see what they can do together. Although Javante, you know, it's hard to figure out what that exact split's going to be, Scott. And I've been asked it on radio hits. I've been asked it privately, you know, colleagues in media that are setting up their fantasy teams. Dude, what's the split going to be on Javante Melvin? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's hard to say. It was it was literally 50-50 last year. Like uh, literally yeah, two, right was on the note. Each. Yeah. It was it was 203 each. So the split even at 50-50 is, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Put them both at like 13th in the league mm -hmm. in carries. That's still that's still a guy you want to take in the first two rounds for the most part. So if you were to go 60%, and I, th I think there's going to be about 25% more offensive plays this year, period. So if I say 400 times 0.125, I end up with 500, okay? 500 at 60% is 300 carries. I know there was going to be there. I was told there'd be no math. 300 <laughs> carries would put him third behind Jonathan Taylor at 332 and Najee Harris at 307. It would put it would put third, put him third. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That sounds about right. I mean, Javante Williams, 300 carries is still a considerably lighter load than what these guys used to go through. So that's not a huge amount. And no, I think it was a brilliant idea bringing Melvin Gordon back. He's a good running back. He's a good running back, and he's an excellent number two running back, and the price is right. What are you spending on your running back room? You're spending almost as much on Mike Boone. That's the one that doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. That is weird. You're at about $5 million for your – maybe six for your running back room. That's solid. Great. <laughs> and Speaking it's one of the of, best running back rooms in the league. Nice work. Speaking of dollars, all right, this is an interesting topic. Last week, we, uh, I think Zach's first show back Thursday night, we talked about, you know, hey, the Bron here's what the Broncos will do if Bradley Chubb has himself a turnaround year. Okay, well, taking that a few steps further, what kind of contract could he be in line for? And this is from Bob Morris. Go read the article, guys, milehighheddle.com. Here is the condensed uh, base. And this is a very excellent article where you kind of learn the lay of the land, what the other pass rushers of his caliber, you know, are, are have been garnering the last couple of years. It's a really insightful read, but here's the bottom line says Bob should Bradley Chubb have a quality season. I would expect he'll be in line for at least a five-year deal worth $90 million or 18 million per year. He could be in line for 35 million in full guaranteed money, which was what Harold Landry got for his extension with the Tennessee Titans. The Broncos should be able to manage a cap hit for the first year of that deal while still keeping Randy Gregory in 2023. When 24 arrives, the Broncos can figure out where things stand with Gregory and the other edge rushers. If Chubb proves worthy of an extension, the Broncos shouldn't have to reset the market to retain him, though they will have to pay him. We need to know whether Chubb can get back to the, that level of play he's shown in the past, and then we'll have the answers, of course. So that's that's what he's... Uh, that's what he's predicting is right there, Scott. Five years, ninety million. But what is Brett? So let me put it this way: Is that do you think that sounds right? And if so, what does Bradley Chubb have to produce this year to get that deal? I think that I think the numbers are okay. I think the guaranteed is is needs to go up considerably from thirty five to about fifty five. The guaranteed money is he got that much as a rookie deal and a, and a rookie deal. 
Um, basically, that would be a two-year deal. Um, it would be a two-year deal, $35 million. If it was $35 million, it would be a two-year deal. He's what, 26 years old? He's probably going to want more guaranteed to do it, to do something like that. Now, one of the things that was on the show that I was kind of, I was kind of put in the background talking about the option to tag him, uh, a, a tag on him would be $25 million. Okay. It, it takes the average of the top five players at his position and gives you a one-year fully guaranteed deal. That's about $25 million. A one-year deal for Bradley Chubb at $25 million would be a premium. It would be expensive for the Denver Broncos. But if he goes out and has a 16 game, I'll give him one. I'll give him one off 16 game, 12 to 15 sack season. I tag his ass, Chad. No question about it. I don't want to get into a bidding war where I'm having to come up with 55 to $60 million of guaranteed money across four years when I can give him a premium for one year and $25 million. And if he is getting that money out on the open market and his agent is saying, well, listen, the, the Atlanta Falcons are finally getting Matt, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones off their deal and their pass rush is atrocious. They're offering him five years, $100 million with 75 guaranteed. Okay, well, I'm still tagging him. Now I'm going to tag and trade him. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, because his only option at that point is to not play. He has no other options. His option is to play on the tag or to sit out two years because you could tag him again yeah so I, I, dude i think money is good i would up the guarantee and i would absolutely tag him if he is in line to get a contract like that you need at least one more like even if he goes back to rookie form 12 sacks plus whatever you need one more year before you roll out the brinks truck because of his history i'm with you if, if he bought if he pops this year tag him by the way here's gary leeds palmer saying it's getting deep in here just kidding love it when That's you get off secret. track that's the thing, dude, is, you know, we, we, we talk about football, but these topics come up and, and it springs forth other conversations. And, you know, it'd be boring if only the only thing you ever heard from us only was like Broncos football. We'd be bored. You know, sometimes we, we want to talk. Very analytical, deep thinkers. Did you ever think about this? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. GLP, you the man, dude. Hey, speaking of deep analytical thinkers, we got Ron Dub. And Ron, dude, are you going to be there week three again this year for the meet and greet? He traversed the entire fruited plain of this these United States to be at the meet and greet last year. And it was great getting to hang with you. Hope we get to do it again this year. He says, with a very generous super chat, you the man, Ron. He says, hey, guys, who will have more yards and more tutties between Williams and Gordon? And then, of course, the receivers, he wants to know. And then looking forward to the meet and greet. Okay, so this is my problem. Half the time I say something and then the answer is already in the suit. If I just read the comment first, I'd be okay. Love that, Ron. Stoked. Okay, Scott, let's get your analytical brain going. Who has more yards and touchdowns between the running backs and then we'll tackle receivers next? The receivers. The receivers have more yards because if if I were to come up with 2,500 yards and 25 touchdowns out of my running backs, I'd consider that a pretty good year. I'd, I'd take that right now without question between Williams and well, Gordon. But he's what he's saying though, is who has more Javante or Melvin Gordon? Who has more yards and TDs between the running backs, Williams or Gordon? Okay. Williams. Yeah. I agree. Williams. Um, even if Gordon ends up with the touchdowns, cause the kid knows how to find the end zone. I mean, it was like That's eight his to three last card. year. Yeah. Um, Williams, Williams on that one. Oh, and the wide receiver Sutton, Patrick, or Judy. I'm going Sutton. 
I am going Sutton on this, but it might be a different leader for different categories. So mm-hmm. I'm going Sutton on yards, probably touchdowns, but I think the touchdowns will end up being pretty close, like eight, eight, and eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. I think Williams will lead this team in rushing, but Melvin will vulture a lot of tutties from him just because he's so good at that. He's just good. He's just got a nose for the end zone when you get the field shrunk. And coaches, when you get that short, that that close, you want as close to a sure thing as you can possibly get. And that's not to say that Javante is some schlub because he also, when given the opportunities in the red zone last year, he 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 was good. But that's Gordon's special specialty. So I think Williams has more yardage. Gordon has more tutties. I'm going Sutton on yards and touchdowns. And then to me, it's like, hey, Patrick Judy, who has the most receptions going by category, as you as you mentioned, Scott. I think Judy ends up with the most receptions possibly by on this team if he stays healthy, which is a significant if. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we all would have that merry, merry Christmas. Yeah, I it should be a lot of fun to watch. And that's what makes this team so hard to defend and to predict in a fantasy player's nightmare, frankly, um, is the only real sure thing you feel like you've got on offense is uh, is Russell Wilson. Mark from Georgia coming in, coming in green, says, what's up, guys? Good to see y'all, especially Chad, especially that guy, not this guy, that guy over there. How are you, big dog? What's up? What's up, God King? You know I'm doing good, bro. I missed you. I have missed your Musk as well. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Hope you're doing well. Hope the family is, uh, everything's going good on on that end of things. Thank you for the super, by the way, Mark. It's great to uh, to hear from you. And uh I'll shoot you a text, bro. I'll shoot you a text. Things are great. Can't complain at all. Yep. Appreciate you coming in, Mark. Good to see you. Um, Albert asked a question, you know, uh, speaking of like the sure thing from the fantasy perspective is how many touchdowns do you think Wilson will throw? Mm-hmm. I mean, 40 springs to mind right away for me. Just 40. Does that sound like too many? Too little? Not no, enough? 17 games now. I know. You that's, know? that's two and a half a game. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look at this aggregate. Continue. There were only three quarterbacks that threw more than 40 touchdowns last year: Matthew Stafford and um, Tom Brady. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven were 36 and above. So splitting the difference of those seven to be a top eight quarterback, 40 doesn't sound completely out of the question for me. But let's. I'm a little bit more on the conservative side, so I'll say 35. 35. 40 was my initial gut, my gut reaction. I'll go with 35. So let's see. 10 years in the league, Scott, and he has 292. So he's averaging just under 30 touchdown passes a season. Mm-hmm. So is he going to play above average? I think the answer is yes, production-wise. I, I don't think you're too far off. I think it, it, his floor, it's, it'd be easy to just say, oh, 30 tutties is, 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 is probably like his floor in this offense with this collection 30, of talent. Yeah, if he doesn't have 30, I'll consider it a disappointment. That's not even two a game. His career high, 40 in 2020. I think he can approach that. I think he can approach that, Scott. I think somewhere around there is not um, jumping the shark. How they're distributed? What would be interesting is can you – can you throw 40 without having a guy in double digits? That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? You know, you talk about spreading the love. You get five to Albert Okawebenam, seven to Judy, eight to Patrick, nine to Sutton. I'm not that far off already, and I haven't even mentioned the running backs yet. 
Dude, it's crazy if you think Hamler. back to the to the to the 2013 campaign and Peyton's 55 tutties. DT 10 plus. Uh uh Eric Decker 10 plus. Wes Welker 10. Julius Thomas 10. Didn't end there. No Sean Moreno. Now, of course, wasn't receiving, but combined 10 touchdowns from scrimmage. You had five guys on offense score double-digit touchdowns. Is it any wonder that team scored 606 points and remains the highest-scoring team in NFL history? That's heavy metal football right there. Heavy metal football. Um, let me see here. We're we're about 46 minutes. I know we're, we're getting close to wrapping this thing up, Chad. Yep, yep. Um, want to go through a couple you know make sure we're not hitting anything that's in the chat too much anthony he comes in anthony come in with a, a, a brace of supers tonight says i'm really feeling 36 year with this with the weapon he has yeah like i said 40 was my gut reaction so we'll that's where i would set the over under right right at 40 i'd probably take the under i feel like 35 is a conservative number it's going to be in a circle it's going to be prolific i that's i mean Again, I'm getting the weird vibes. I'm getting 2012-ish vibes. Now, Peyton Manning didn't come in in year one and like totally make all of what he did in Indianapolis look you know, like it was small potatoes. The next year he did, though. I mean, even 36 touchdowns, is, which is what Peyton Manning threw um, in year one with the Broncos. I'm going to see real quick, just out of curiosity, how many times in his 14 years? What year years, was that? You said 2015? 12, 12 2012. 2012, and the leader was Drew Brees with 43. He threw 36 or more touchdowns before 2012. He threw 36 or more exactly once. So he immediately had a career year in Denver. The one time, well, hold on, let me make sure I'm not, I'm not, oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's, hold on, hold on, hold on. This okay. says 13 is what I'm looking at on NFL.com. 13 what? Uh, 2013. That was the the MVP fifty five Tuddy's year. Yes, that's what I was speaking of. Sorry, oh, okay. I was I'm just sorry. trying yeah, to think because yeah. not only did he throw fifty five, no one else threw even forty. Right. So there's more touchdowns being thrown now. You know, there was you just heard me say there were seven guys with thirty six plus in two thousand thirteen. The year he threw fifty five, only Drew Brees threw more than thirty five. He threw thirty nine. There were Dude. only. Five guys are through more than 30 touchdowns. So touchdowns are a lot easier to come by right now in, in this in this game. The game has changed even just seven, eight years. Uh, plus there's an extra game. Dude, think about this real quick. Peyton Manning, if he would have, when he hurt his neck and the Colts cut him after the 2010 se or 2011 season, if he would have just said adios and he retired, Hall of Fame resume, he was already going into the Hall of Fame. He broke Dan Marino's single-season touchdown record in uh, – 2004 okay so he comes to denver year one i was wrong it wasn't 36 it was 37 touchdowns that was already the second most he had ever thrown in his career so he had nearly a career year you take out that one outlier season where he did break marino's single season that was his best most productive year in terms of uh, touchdowns yardage uh didn't quite come close to some of his well let's see 4700 in 2010 that was his career high. So he came 41 yards short of his career high. So what am I getting at here? What I'm what, what I'm rambling about is I'm getting the 2012 vibes with Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning and that kind of mile high magic. I think Russell Wilson, if his career high in, in tutties is 40, I think he's going to get there. 
if you he could, he can get there. I feel mm-hmm. very optimistic he will get there. His career high, Scott, in yardage was his fifth year, 2016. He threw for 4,219. I think he'll eclipse that. I think, I think he'll eclipse that. Low by that. I mean, it's, even if you say, what's 280 times 17? Don't ask me, dude. I don't math. 4,760. 4,700 yeah. is the target. I want 4,700 yards this year. Guys, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. We love you. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, this has been a fun conversation. I want to remind everybody, uh, Phil. So I see an average of twenty four points per game. Russ could hit forty seven tutties. Give Manning an extra game, fifty eight tutties. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He would have had to have less than his average to only end up with. He was averaging more than three per game to get fifty five in sixteen games. He was averaging almost well, you know, three and a half. So yeah, he would have been a shoe in. Might have had 59. Round up. Round up. Guys, tomorrow – wait, no Broncos for breakfast on the bright, right? That doesn't start till training camp-ish? Yeah, probably preseason. Preseason-ish? Okay. Yep. But – so we'll be back with the Mile High Little Podcast tomorrow night, of course, Zach and I. Zach is going to be back on his feet. But tomorrow we debut the Mile High Huddle Show on Mile High Sports Radio 98.1 FM, Denver Radio. That's at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. I just, as I said that, realized someone asked me, is it going to be on Sirius? Can you find it on Sirius? I don't know. I need to find that out. As soon as I started talking about it, I remembered that. But there is an app. If you miss it live, if you're in Denver and you miss it live, it's all good. They put up clips and they put up on demand. You can listen to the whole show. It'll be Kelberman and I doing our thing uh, for an hour. And we're going to do that every day, five days a week from now until, you know, the the cows come home. That's a a lot lot of Chad and Zach. Yeah, gear up because it's it's about to it's about to be. We promised you there's going to be more content coming. Now it's not necessarily right here on Mile High Huddle, but it's going to cross pollinate, and we're going to make it easy for everybody to find those shows once we cross that bridge. So look forward to that tomorrow. And then Scott, dude, it's always fun talking talking shop with you, my brother. Thanks for making time. Yeah, I'm sorry Zach was under the uh, under the weather, but I, I I'm flattered that he reaches out to me to sit in for him, and that it's okay with with. All y'all. So I have a I have a good time on this show and, and appreciate being here on Sunday evenings. Guys, connect on Twitter with this Mile High Huddle podcast. It's still at Huddle Up Pod, our main account for all things Denver Broncos and MHH at Mile High Huddle. Go to the merch store, huddleuppod.com, get a t-shirt, get a hat, get a little something, something, another way to support what we're doing here. Like the main Facebook page for the podcast at uh, Mile High Huddle Pod on Facebook. All right. And then don't forget, we're seeing them every day coming in. We love it. We appreciate it. Those of you who take the time to do this, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review for your favorite MHH podcast. Maybe it's not this show. Maybe it's Broncos for Breakfast. Maybe it's, you know, Mile High Insiders. Does Whichever your favorite show is, go leave us a five-star review and enter yourself into the drawing we do each and every month. Travis Weber won it last uh, month. It could be you this particular month of July. So go take care of that. Even if you're not an Apple user, maybe you're one of the great unwashed Android users like myself, you can still find a way to go review on uh, on Apple Pods. And then don't forget to subscribe, like, share. Scott, love you. Appreciate you. We'll see everybody tomorrow. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.